Indigenous scholarships are now available for the Y New South Wales 2023 Youth Parliament and for the very first time, two Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander young people will be able to apply for a scholarship to represent their electorate in the Y New South Wales Youth Parliament program. And I'm pleased to say I'm joined by Ethan Floyd, a past participant in the program, to explore the new development, the availability of two First Nations scholarships, and also to share his story about his experience as a youth parliamentarian. Ethan, welcome to NITV Radio. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Before we go into this uh, new program and uh, the availability of two scholarships, there hasn't been so many before. Uh, tell us about your experience, your story, your journey yourself uh, as a youth parliamentarian. First and foremost, I'm a Wiradjuri Whalewind person, so my mob's from the central west regions of New South Wales. From there, I grew up on Wanarua land in Hunter Valley, and I went to school in Newcastle on Awabakal land, and now I'm living here in Redfern on the land of the Gadigal people. So I'd like to pay respects to uh, the elders of all those lands for letting me leave my footsteps on their land uh, and, and helping me get to where I am today. So... Um, I think I, I like to think that I've come a long way, obviously both physically leaving footsteps in all those different countries, but uh, also personally being able to make space for myself uh, and, and trying to bring as many mobs as I can with me uh, on that journey. So uh, the Youth Parliament Program has been really, really important in that. Um, personally, I'm massively dedicated to empowering mob and lifting up their voice and making sure that uh, they feel seen and heard because most of us don't and, and that's wrong. So the Youth Parliament Program was incredibly attractive to me because as an Aboriginal person, we're inherently political. And so to be able to have a platform to talk about uh, current issues in politics, in news and in communities, it's incredibly empowering and it's a really important thing uh, for First Nations young people. So was it just an empowering process, a learning process? Uh, what else was there in uh, being part of uh, the uh, Youth Parliament? Yeah, I think Youth Parliament has two really important aspects to it. So the first is learning about parliamentary processes um, and about ac activism and advocacy. So learning how to campaign on issues that are really important. Um, in Youth Parliament, uh, my focus for that year was uh, young Indigenous people in youth detention because it's probably the biggest issue facing black kids where I come from, where they're locked up uh, too often and over some of the most trivial things. So my job as a participant in the 2021 Youth Parliament uh, was to shine a light on that and make sure people, especially parliamentarians, uh, were hearing that message and understood that uh, change needed to be made in those areas. The second part was actually empowering youth voices, um, which sort of goes hand in hand with that. So learning about the parliamentary process and how to sort of be enmeshed in that as a young person, um, how to make change from within, and then also advocacy and how to make change outside of those systems uh, and be a voice for your community. Um, that was my experience with Youth Parliament, where I was able to be in Parliament House talking to parliamentarians and MPs and ministers about important issues and then take what they've said back to my community and talk to people in the grassroots about what ministers are really doing to make change for them. Did the parliamentarians listen to you? Because uh, they seem to do their own thing. They don't listen to anyone, these people. Yeah, that's a problem that I think a lot of young people are worried about is we're making our voices heard and we're finding platforms, um, but are the people making decisions really listening? Um, I think not always, um, and that's something that we need to work to change. But definitely within the Youth Parliament Program, because it's run by such a dedicated organisation, 
the parliamentarians that are present at that program really are listening to uh, to young voices and are really dedicated to making sure that the issues we talk about are brought to the fore of parliament. So a key part of the youth parliament program is our young people are dedicated, uh, designated into committees uh, based on portfolios. So we have an Aboriginal affairs portfolio, uh, we have a women's affairs portfolio, and then other other uh, other portfolios such as roads and transport, mental health, business and employment. Uh, these committees focus on specific issues within uh, their their focus area. Uh, for me, I focused on youth detention, and we wrote a full piece of legislation uh, talking about the implementation of cultural education in juvenile detention uh, to ensure that when young people leave juvenile detention, they have a, a platform and they have a path uh, back from criminal activity uh, and from sort of the disadvantage that pervades their communities. Uh, I then got to actually present that bill uh, once it was debated in the, in the Youth Parliament Program, uh, to Ben Franklin, who's the Minister for uh, Regional Youth and Aboriginal Affairs. That was a really big opportunity for me to speak one-on-one with someone in the Parliament, making real decisions that affect the lives of Aboriginal young people, um, having that voice heard and bringing the issues that young people are facing in my area and in areas all across New South Wales uh, right up to the height of power. And how did you get involved and uh, interested in uh, such a heavy topic? Of course, it's a big issue in the community, but uh, how did you get involved in this uh, particular really heavy topic? Yeah, look, being an Aboriginal person, we see a lot of social issues uh, around us and a lot of disadvantage and a lot of discrimination. And particularly in my electorate uh, and, the, and, and the places where I come from, young black kids are over-policed and they're over-represented in the juvenile detention system. Um, and that was something that was glaringly obvious to me from a young age. Um, hearing about cousins who'd gone to jail, hearing about uncles who'd gone to jail. And it was really disheartening to see that uh, my young cousins and, and, and brothers and sisters were having this graduation from juvenile detention straight into the adult uh, prison system. And they weren't really given a path back from that. So my focus there was to figure out how do we stop this right at the start and make sure that young people aren't in that endless cycle of offending and reoffending. And how do we bring them out of that and show them a better path? So that's a big thing about young Indigenous people is we want to be shown a, be- a better way or the right way. Um, that's what our elders are there for, but also that's what other young people are there for, to, to lift each other up. That's how I got involved in that issue. And then Youth Parliament came fairly naturally. Um, I think it was I think I heard about it through school. Um, they do outreach programs, the YMCA, in, in local high schools because the target age group for the program is 15 to 18 years old, so that uh, teenage young adult demographic. Um, I think through hearing about the program, I knew that this was something I wanted to be involved in and I knew that this would be a really effective platform to get a message out there and to make sure that, vo- that my voice and the voices of young people in my community were heard. Post that, it was a pretty fairly, it was a fairly straightforward process of applying for the program, being accepted, and then progressing straight into the, the hectic debates and, and bill drafting that's involved with Youth Parliament. Wow, it sounds like uh, you are really very passionate about this topic and very committed. But does uh, being part of uh, this program, does it not uh, impede a little bit on uh, your academic or work life? It definitely didn't for me. I think my circumstances were I had a really massive support network um, both in school and in family and at the YMCA that helped me manage my studies because I did the program in 2021 when I was 17 slash 18 
Um, I was actually completing my HSC that year. At the same time, I was meeting with these young people, drafting a piece of legislation and going to Parliament House and debating it in front of ministers. It was a very uh, intensive experience, but it was something that I was able to get through because of the really unique and the really strong support network that I had. And that's something that the YMCA is dedicated to, is making sure that when young people sign up for this program, it is a huge undertaking. It's also an important undertaking. But, of course, at the end of the day, nothing is more important than getting through your schoolwork and making sure that you're achieving and, and doing your best academically. The support network that's there ensures that young people, while they're, while they're away at camp at Parliament House, they're able to complete homework and they're able to work on, work on schoolwork. Um, we also make sure that the camps, the residential camps that we, uh, that we host, are in the school holiday period, so we're not taking uh, young people out of class time. And outside of that, uh, we offer academic support and also just a, a wellbeing and counselling service uh, to make sure that young people aren't feeling too overwhelmed by the undertaking of Youth Parliament uh, and coaching them through that to make sure they're making the most of the, of the program at the YMCA and they're also making the most of their schooling at the same time. You sound really committed and switched on. Did uh, participating in this program inspire you to maybe consider a career in politics to actually make meaningful change, not only for your community, but also for the wider Australian community? Politics is a route that I think a lot of Aboriginal people should be considering, um, including myself and including people in my community. Um, it's a great platform uh, to have your voice heard and to really advocate for issues and to make sure that people aren't neglecting our voices because... They have been in the past, and it's not turned out well for us. Honestly, I have no intentions of really going into politics anytime soon. Um, don't get me wrong, Parliament and debating and the parliamentary processes, it's great fun, and sometimes it can be hilariously entertaining, but the important thing at the end of the day is making a difference. And um, I think personally I can make more of a difference from the outside, speaking to parliamentarians and ministers and, and organisations And, yeah, sometimes lighting a fire underneath those ministers when they aren't doing uh, enough and making sure that uh, they, they understand the issues that are before communities and they're able to effectively advocate for us. I think that real power comes from the grassroots, um, from the communities and from the local organisations that represent people. Um, we've got an enormous amount of power and an enormous amount of influence and, and willpower as well, but we've got to be smart and, and pointed in the right direction. And I think that direction is policy change, law reform and empowering our young people and bolstering education uh, to make sure that when our young people who naturally are going to be the leaders of the future uh, at the community level, at the state level and at the federal level, um, I hope to see an Aboriginal Prime Minister in my lifetime. Then the way we get there is by empowering young voices and really tapping into uh, the inspiration and the dedication and the drive and the motivation of young people because it's there Um, there's so much potential in our young people and our young Indigenous people, um, but our job is to make sure that that is taken advantage of and they're able to tap into that. And uh, again, you've kind of mentioned it uh, in the conversation, but maybe it would be really great to reiterate it. Uh, what would be the message you're sending to potential applicants to this uh, program? The voices of Indigenous young people we haven't heard as often as I would have liked and as we would have liked as an organisation at the YMCA uh, in the Youth Parliament Program, and that's due to a number of reasons. But one of the primary reasons we've uh, we've figured out is uh, the financial costs associated with the program, and that's where the scholarship comes in. So Youth Parliament has costs associated with it. It's generally around $600 from my experience to participate in the program. Young people spend nine days at Parliament House, so that fees include their travel to and from Parliament, accommodations, meals, and any other sort of incidental costs that are associated. 
In some cases, participants are able to pay that for themselves. Um, in some cases, they're able to uh, secure sponsorships from local MPs or community organisations. But the young people and the young voices that we want to be hearing more of and that we need to be hearing more of don't necessarily have the means to cover that financial contribution. That's where we step in as the YMCA and we deliver this message to them that we know your voice is worth being heard and that the ideas you have are worth being listened to. So we provide that fee relief in the form of a scholarship that covers the program costs uh, to make sure our black kids are able to take full advantage of the opportunities that come their way, particularly coming to Parliament House and and yarning up about these issues. Um, My message to young people who are applying for the program um, and who are eligible to apply for this scholarship is I'm a big believer in the idea of nothing about us without us. That is that we can't enact policy, uh, we can't talk about issues, and we can't uh, enact legislation without consulting with Indigenous people. When it's happened in the past, when we've uh, made decisions for Indigenous people without our consent and without our, our consultation, it's ended pretty badly. So I think now going forward, we need more empowered young black kids in this space because that's where the consultation is and that's where the consultation should be. Uh, and that's where we're going to draw a lot of our knowledge, a lot of our inspiration uh, and a lot of our direction from is young black kids who are informed on the issues of their community and are really passionate about making change and changing the world around them. Uh, since you're already politically engaged, uh, what's your view on The Voice? On The Voice to Parliament, I'm a supporter. Um, I campaign for The Voice. I feel that there is a lot of rhetoric around The Voice that can be sort of misconstrued. In some ways, it is a symbolic gesture, but in other ways, it's really a terrific legislative mechanism for change. Again, that tenet of nothing about us without us We need a constitutionally enshrined advisory body to advise not just government, but the parliament. And that's something that I feel people overlook, is that the advice is given to all parliamentarians. There will be some who disagree with it, but there will be a lot of people who agree with it. And those people in the parliament will push for that change and will advocate for the advisory body and the decisions and the reports that they hand down. So I think we can't be muddied in this idea of it's just a symbolic gesture, it won't have any real power, because the power lies in people and the power lies in voice. And when people hear black voices, they can't turn away. Yeah, definitely. And uh, just what you said, the youth parliament, even if they don't take action, they'll listen, they'll hear what you're saying, and uh, eventually the message will get, will, will get through and the action will be taken. Exactly. It's all about persistence. If we keep making our voices heard, and we keep taking up space in these places where we traditionally haven't been able to take up space, uh, people are going to take notice. Uh, I think people are taking notice, and they're going to continue to as we see this new generation of really empowered, passionate, and inspired young people making change for themselves and making change for the communities that they represent and the communities that they love. As someone who's switched on again, this is uh, completely irrelevant to this, but uh, we are coming to... uh milestone the 15th anniversary of uh, their apology as uh, a young person engaged really uh, who has the drive who understands the issues in politics and the community what's your take on uh, the apology to the stolen generations what's your i view? think that it's a trend with aboriginal people in australia that whenever we're sort of lured into the light whenever we go to drink from the well we're drowned whether it's accidentally or otherwise we had the 67 referendum where Uh, We were counted as humans and we were allowed to vote, Um, but then at the same time there were laws made about us uh, that treated us like dogs. 
the promise of Mabo uh, never eventuated with effective native title legislation. Um, and again, the national apology delivered in 2008, while at the same time the government was rolling out the Northern Territory intervention, which was disastrous for so many vulnerable Indigenous communities. Um, I think symbolic things like the referendum, like the Mabo decision, and like the national apology are important, but they can't be, we can't stop at that. Uh, symbolism is important, and sending a message is important. That's why we talk about uh, young people's voices. That is an important step. But after that, we need to enact change and we need to take action. Uh, we can't just be all talk. We have to actually enact change and, and, and put into place legislative and policy mechanisms uh, that can help fix some of the issues that we're talking about. Um, something we're seeing right now is the, uh, the issue of changing uh, the $5 note, the image on the $5 note, uh, to an image that represents Indigenous Australians. This is a fantastic step forward, and it's something that will really help Indigenous people feel uh, accepted and feel welcome in Australian society where otherwise they wouldn't. However, contextually, it's happening where the Queen has passed away and there's a change of monarch, and we're also moving as, a, as, a, as an Australian society towards a cashless society. So the symbolism is, is perfectly fine, but the action isn't there. Meanwhile, we're facing a humanitarian crisis in the town camps of Alice Springs, and we're not addressing that well enough. Uh, when the Stronger Futures legislation lapsed, uh, there was no real plan put in place uh, to ensure that, uh, that something like this would, would not happen. So my take on the National Apology is that it's important that we recognise these milestones, uh, things like Keating's Redfern Address, things like National Apology, uh, things like the Day of Mourning as well. It's important we acknowledge these really deep symbolic measures, because symbolism is important. Symbolism drives movements, drives pol uh, political movements, and drives revolutions, cultural and social. But action backs it up. And what we need to see is action as well as commemoration. Ethan, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us on NITV Radio today. Thank you so much. I've loved being here chatting with you.